Welcome back in hour three, Bill Michaels show. Bill will be back tomorrow. I'm sure to talk all about as well where the Brewers stand. The release of someone we're about to talk about because boy, was there some chatter online this weekend, but also the release of the first guy. So Grant uh, Lorenzo Kane on yeah. Saturday, the Brewers DFA designated for assignment Lorenzo Kane. They did it on the date of him reaching 10 years of MLB service time, which is a classy, classy, classy move given once you hit 10 years, the pension benefits are different. You are a full fledged member of the union is my understanding. It's very significant in uh, it, it's, a, it's a very significant date that players really aim to reach. That's a success for a lot of guys. So they DFA him. I mean, he had struggled mightily all season. He was hitting 179, 231 on base, 234 slugging, OPS below 500. He just really couldn't bring you anything. Uh, obviously, a very important clubhouse voice, but it's mm-hmm. a move that makes sense in the grand scheme of the roster because Tyrone Taylor's been a better option there in the outfield. Uh, and I mean, now Jonathan Davis, look at that uh, right before getting selected in the NBA draft to Johnny Davis out there on the Brewers. No, it's a, it's a different Johnny well Davis spells his name the same. I cannot take credit for that. I think Kurt Hogg, Milwaukee journal Sentinel had that joke out first as soon as he made his debut. But what was your first reaction? So uh, Kane, Kane had talked about it a little bit. He said it was a mutual agreement. Doesn't know what's coming next. Uh, what was your first thought when you saw that the Brewers finally made this call to DFA Kane? I'm going to be very careful with this. I'm going to start my show with this tonight. You don't have to be careful. Take a test run with this take on this show. I can try it out. You tell me what works, what doesn't. Sure. Can work out kinks and it'll be better on my show tonight at four. Personally and professionally, for the most part, I adore Lorenzo Cain. He played for two franchises that are not perennial contenders. He won a World Series in Kansas City. He's been a big part of success in Milwaukee. He is the nicest guy in the world. He does all of the things that I want a winning baseball player to do for my team. I have nothing but respect for him. The baseball season is a grind. I'm excited that I think he is done and gets to now spend time with his family, which I think is what he wanted for a couple of years. Here's the thing, though. I, like two weeks ago, two, three weeks ago, Adam McAlvey put out a piece, as he does. He writes for Brewers.com and MLB.com. He is the Brewers reporter. And he had a quote with Lorenzo Cain where Cain basically said, I suck right now. Renfro's hurt. That's the only reason I'm playing. Brewers probably don't want me playing, but it is what it is. Like, I'll try to do my best, but whatever. And it just seemed very indifferent. It didn't really seem like he cared. He seemed tired. It seemed like he didn't want to play anymore. I'm so happy for Lorenzo Cain and all he has accomplished. I just don't think he wanted to play anymore. I think he wanted to be done. I think two months into the season, the season wasn't going his way. And he said, well, I've played forever. I, I'll just be done, which is his choice and more power to him. The problem is the Brewers kind of need him. Even if he's not going to play a ton, I want his leadership. I want his experience. I want his defense. I, I want that as a part of my team. And I think the Brewers do too. And Lorenzo Cain didn't seem too intent on providing that this season. You know what I mean? And that, I don't, that kind of irks me a little bit. Yeah. The, my reaction to the quote was similar it was more of, well, if you don't really want to be here, then why are you? Yeah. 
And yeah. I would I immediately brought myself back to he is a very necessary part of the locker room. And there's a lot he does that isn't just producing on the field. But I feel like even in that setting, most athletes would say, or most people would say, you know, working to get better. I we're we're not why not in a great Fake spot it. right now. Completely lie yourself through that. Coming out and saying that he didn't he didn't know if he wanted to be there. Yeah, it was odd. Um, I don't know. It's tough because he hasn't obviously really produced well. Like last year was okay. He hit 257 OPS in the 700s. He was a little bit below average, but he did enough, right? Uh, yeah, the team does need him. I guess I'm going to look at it from an optimistic point of view and think that I want Tyrone Taylor to get as many at-bats as possible. And yeah. it, it happened maybe midway through May where I realized it's like, you know, I like Lorenzo Kane has probably reached the end of the road. There's no reason he should still be out there. And then injuries happened. And he was kind of forced onto it. But I still think there were better avenues to maybe produce than have that still happen. I don't know if it would have been possible to still have him in there in the clubhouse as a, you know, just a clubhouse guy. But taking up the roster spot definitely yeah, wouldn't have worked. But I, I would have never brought him off the bench as a bench bat. You know, it's, I mean, maybe this is an unfair drive by, but it, more of a bench, you know, stick. Just a bench guy. Bench stick. Uh, okay. Well, here, here's the thing. Maybe I feel differently about this scenario. When Andrew McCutcheon was like over 30, I didn't really care. He'll be fine. He's played baseball forever. He'll figure it out. And I think he has. I think you talk to most Brewer fans and they're still kind of pissy about McCutcheon, but he seemed to be one of their better bats the last couple weeks. He's not hitting bombs, but he's getting up there and giving you good at bats. Lorenzo Cain has been a competitive, productive baseball player forever. You're telling me that he can't have a three-month slow start to the season and still be a useful player in any way for a team that has aspirations of winning a World Series? And I guess, look, if, if that doesn't get Kane out of bed, then go ahead, retire. But I'm a little disappointed that he still couldn't say, well, I'm not playing every day and I'm not hitting a bunch of bombs, but I can still provide this, this, this. And in my final season where I'm making $17 million, like I'm not going to feel bad for you, dude. You're making $17 million. Ride out your final season and... And then hang with your family for the rest of your life. And I, I'm not a parent, so I don't want to. You get why? Yeah, you know, I I don't know. I think looking at his production and could he have turned it around? I don't really like when you watch McCutcheon. You could see that it wasn't going well. But I guess maybe it was just a gut reaction. I still thought that he would be able to turn it around and be productive. And maybe it's because I've watched a lot of him uh, when he was in Philly. Obviously, the last couple of years. Kane, I don't know what it was, but the eye test, we've talked about this today. I the eye test just just wasn't checking out for me. Like the even when he got into a ball and it looked like hard contact, I it, it was still flying out to the center fielder. Like even even what you would expect are, you know, opportunities for him to break out a bit. And when it finally looks like it's going right, the the production still wasn't there. So I don't really know. I never really looked at his start to the season just watching him play and thought that it could have been turned around. Okay. I had I had faith that he could turn it around to some degree. And even if not, he's a useful player. There's a reason the Brewers signed him to that deal, knowing that it wasn't going to be pretty at the end. I would imagine David Stearns and Atanasio and Council said, well, at the very end, at least it'll be great experience. He'll be able to give us something. And Kane just never seemed that interested. I mean, COVID did hit, but... 
I, that was kind of a disaster of a contract. Like 2018 was great. And then after and we that, knew that, we knew that when that deal was signed in 2018, everyone and their mother who had a blog or a Twitter account said, this is a great deal for the here and now it will stink when he's old. And that's exactly what happened. Which is fine. I mean, I don't really know the finances of it. I think, uh, I think DFAing him, they still owe him the money. Uh, baseball is all guaranteed. So it's not like this frees up spots for the Brewers to go get aggressive. But I don't know. We'll see. It's it's one of those things where the good heavily outweighs what the bad has become. Like the good of 2018, the good of what he brought to the franchise heavily outweighs the fact that he hasn't been a major league hitter in four years. It's been that long. You you have that little faith in him at the plate? Oh, I, I, I said this, and you had dropped off for a second, but when I watch McCutcheon play, like I've seen him go through cold spells, yet maybe it's just a gut thing, but I feel like there's always a better streak coming after. And part of sure. that, like, because his speed is still there, the hands are still fast, you still see the pop, there are just moments where it doesn't go well, and he's obviously not MVP McCutcheon. Kane... Even when he was getting into balls, at times it was a fly ball to the center fielder. It just seemed like I. It seemed like everything had not deteriorated, but it had taken steps back, and he just wasn't able to really produce. I never thought that a bounce back was possible. Maybe I'm delusional. Maybe I'm I'm expecting too much, wanting too much. Again, I didn't think he was going to be an everyday player and and a huge offensive contributor this year, but I I, I thought he would be helpful in some way. And I guess that just wasn't in the cards for Kane. And look, go be with your family. If that's what you want, go ahead. I'm not going to say good riddance. I just wish he would have been a little bit more interested in ending his last season with the Brewers in, in a different way. I think that's a fair stance. I Really, mainly in terms of how he would carry himself publicly, maybe more so than, I mean, on the field, it just wasn't going yeah, well. But we, this is what's tough. We also appreciate the honesty, right? We like when our favorite athletes are honest. So I sometimes it's a, it's a real, yeah, sometimes. Sometimes we wish we'd they'd keep things to their, themselves. Yeah. But. Uh, all right. 877-867-1670. What do you think about Lorenzo Kane no longer being on the Brewers? Grant, there was mass hysteria on the online spheres this weekend. The Packers released backup quarterback, Twitch star, Kurt Benkert, leaving Bill Michaels and our morning show guy, Ebo, as the most famous Twitch streamers in the state. Your thoughts? <laughs> Bill Bill should start playing a video game and stream it. I don't know <laughs> what. He should build his Twitch empire. Like, get really into Minecraft. I'd play Minecraft with Bill. I was texting a friend earlier today about how I miss playing Minecraft <laughs> a lot. Love Minecraft. I never played. I, I had an app on my phone that I would mess around with on airplanes. But I never played. I never got into it, like, for real. Oh. What game do you think would be the best to get him into? That's interesting. I would want to watch Bill. Like, this is maybe golf nerd stuff for me, but I love playing the PGA video games. They are so fun. I would love to see Bill play the PGA video game because it's hard. Like, it's hard to get good at. And and I could already see, like, you you know, some of the great on-air hilarious moments are ones that come from, you know, other funny stuff happening. I mm-hmm. could not imagine how great it would be to see him like fail at PGA tour 2k 21. I think it'd be funny to, he's a big racing guy. He's always at uh what is it? Elkhart Lake. Yeah. Yeah. I'd watch him play Mario Kart. It'd be pretty mm. funny. Um, I, I thought you were going to go like NASCAR. In, 
Yeah, or NASCAR. You could dress Bill up in like a camo vest and like get him some nice graphics and just have him be playing Call of Duty, yelling at middle schoolers <laughs> in, the, in the game chat. I'd watch that. That'd be funny. That'd be good. But yeah, so. Uh, Why did we start talking about this? Kurt Benkert was released. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. My first thought, Grant, was uh, now, if I was an optimist, and I'm not saying this is fact, but if I were to be a massive optimist, I would use this to say that Jordan loves good. They got rid of Ben Kurt. Uh, loves good. Now, if I was a realistic human, I would just think, whatever, a third string quarterback, great guy. Like he seemed to connect with Green Bay very well. But uh, it is what it is. They released him. Shout out to and Benker talked about this. We mentioned how Kane was released on his ten year day to get the pension. Goody released Benkert to give him time to find another roster. It's done with all class. I think some props uh, should be given to the Packers and the Brewers for how they handled it. But, I mean, it's the NFL. It is what it is. Uh, Kirk Benkert is not Taysom Hill. He's not a guy that actually could have legitimately helped the Packers on the field. Jordan Love is clearly the backup quarterback, and it is what it is. Maybe that's a very simple way to look at it. I don't care. Yeah. (laughs) At all, at all. <laughs> and so, okay. There's two parts to this. I saw a lot of a lot of Packers fans on Twitter saying, "I am bummed. I enjoyed Kirk Benkert on Twitter. I enjoyed him as a member of the team. And for a player who's never going to play or matter, you could do worse. And he was a fun guy to have. And I agree with that. The problem is, I don't live in the depths of Packers fandom in the blogosphere and the weird things that goes on there. I try to keep a little bit more of a distance. The problem is with player like Kirk Benkert or Tim Boyle before him, somewhere between fun guy and 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 the conversations that happens in in the Packers Twitter world, everyone will convince themselves that like ah you know give it a couple of years, let him develop, he'll turn into something. Like I remember Tim Boyle towards the end in Green Bay. I wouldn't be surprised. You know he lights it up in preseason. He might get some looks. His he, name you know, is team... yeah. I have to stop you. His name is Tim Boyle. What are we doing here? Yeah. And, and I don't I, mean that as a, like, I, that was kind of a drive-by on him. But, like, come on. You know, for someone, by the way, that's the second drive-by you've said. For someone who was driven by by a man in a scooter this weekend. Yeah, that Throwing was, around that term very liberally today. That was not okay. That was, that was but, not but this okay. But this is what I'm saying. I don't mind enjoying a player to enjoy him. The problem is Packers fandom, and you know this, they get so obnoxious that they'll convince themselves, like, I love Tim Boyle. He needs to have a good preseason. Some team will want him. Give him a chance. It's like, no, that's not going to happen. And I wish we could just enjoy Tim Benkert or Kirk Benkert. Oh, my God. Um, but then Packers fans will convince themselves that he's good. And I'm like, now he's annoying because he's an extension of you. And I don't mind that he's gone at all. Grant, there were all takes right. last preseason when Love went out with the ankle or maybe the shoulder. He was out for a game and Benkert played well. There were takes that he was better than Jordan Love. Uh, this is what I'm saying. This is what I'm saying. Packers, certain sects of Packers fandom makes me dislike these guys. Does that make sense? It does. I will say uh, this. My only football related take here is I think Kurt Benkert is better than Danny Etling, the guy they chose <laughs> over him. I don't think Danny Etling can play, but I'm not in the building every day and I don't see it. Right. So I don't know. It's we yeah. Ask Zach Heilprin. He's there. I'll, I'll text Zach. Zach wore a, a nice button down to work today, actually. I was going to mention that earlier. Really? Yeah, he's looking pretty good. I asked him if he wanted to come on, and he said no. <laughs> <laughs> I really wish I got to see Zach 
ever. I've never met Zach in person. I wish I just got to bump into and interact with him, not even on a daily basis, on a weekly basis. It's funny we're talking about Kirk Benkert. Uh, a tweet just of his popped up, and it was the goodbye to Green Bay. It is really cool that he likes that town. He's like, this is where my daughter learned to walk. I'll miss it, blah, blah, blah. Now, I would argue that if Kurt just spent a day in Madison or Lacrosse or Milwaukee, he'd be like, okay, these places are all better, but I'm, oh, he seems like a unnecessary drive by on Green Bay. We don't need that. I'm just not a huge Green Bay guy. It's fine. I mean, that is it's fine. That is a bold thing to say on a statewide radio program. You live in, oh, oh Bill's on in Green Bay, isn't he? Yeah. I'm not on in Green Bay. I got to be careful. Yeah. All right. Uh, 877-867-1670. If you want to disagree with Grant, call him an idiot. You are more than welcome to. Phone lines are wide open. We're going to step away here. Take a quick break. More chatter, more brewers coming up next, as well as reaction. Lorenzo Cain, Kirk Benkert are both gone from the respective teams. There's thoughts about the U.S. Open, which quarterbacks say, do these golfers remind us of? A lot of stuff going on today. It's Ben Kenny. It is Grant Bills in for Bill Michaels. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket. This is the Bill Michaels Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Welcome back in 877-867-1670. If you want to get a hold of the program, it's Ben Kenny. Grant Bills in for Bill Michaels. He will be back again tomorrow. Twitter poll has been up at Ben Z. Kenny for a little bit now since the start of the show. Did the Brewers turn a corner with the weekend sweep of the Cincinnati Reds? 72% right now say no, it's just the Reds. They suck. I am in the camp of yes. I think they did turn a corner. Grant and I had had mentioned there are many corners you can turn, if you will. There's the one towards contending in the NL. But this one, it is the corner away from a disaster two weeks of baseball. They needed something to go right. I was impressed because, I mean, the Brewers of the slump would have found a way to only win two out of three or maybe one out of three. They did it against Washington. But this team, they win three out of three. They dominate the Reds, and and that's a good thing because they obviously play him a lot. So we're talking about Lorenzo Cain, Grant, and it brings up the never-ending talk on Wisconsin Sports Radio of where do the Brewers need to make a move? Because when trade deadline time comes, they are going to make two moves. It's going to be one utility infielder that will be okay. They'll give up nothing for him. Last year of his contract, a rental player for two months, and they will get a middle inning reliever that will end up being okay at best. That's what's going to happen. But if you had to look at it right now with Lorenzo Cain gone, the outfield sitting where it is, the offense sitting where it is, where would that move come? Hmm. Well, first of all, the Brewers should add a reliever and a random aging veteran utility player. A Lorenzo Cain type, per se. <laughs> Someone who could fill that role because now that role needs... Needs to be filled. If only there's um, someone I should do that. If only there's someone I knew that you know I could fill that I role. I know every contending team should do that. The Wiley veteran who's near the end, they added Curtis Granderson in 2018, and add a reliever because that's what every contender should do. I think it's got to be center field. Their center field production has been miserable this year. 
the worst in baseball. Um, and look, McCutcheon's missed time, and they've dealt with injuries, but not that many injuries. They're just not getting anything from center field. So the Brewers, if they're going to look to add, probably there, which is frustrating because they're sinking a lot of money into the outfield. The idea that there's a need anywhere in that outfield with the money and with the investment they put into it is a bummer. But whatever, the money's already spent. You can't let the money you've already spent prevent you from spending more. Um, it's not my money also, so I don't care. So center field would be great. The Brewers need to add someone who's... It's going to sound really basic. Amazing. I don't want a guy who's (laughs) another guy of what they already have. Like they have a lot of B minus B plus type bats. They have so many of them already. If you're going to add a guy, go all in, spend big, give away the prospects and go get a guy who could be for you. What Yelich was in 18 and 19. Like I'm talking spend and go all in all the prospects, whatever you need to do. Otherwise, don't waste your time because you have plenty of guys who are B-minus, B-plus guys already. I don't need another one of them. One name consistently brought up that would check a lot of those boxes is Andrew Benatendi, former Red Sox, current Royal. He's hitting above 300. He's playing well, but I don't buy into that because I had seen him through the rest of his career. Another guy, how I follow baseball often, added him in fantasy when he first got called up, was really good and then kind of hit a rough patch in his career and struggled. I don't really think he moves the needle if you were to trade for him and put him in the outfield. But yeah, exactly. my my ideal outfield world right now is Tyrone Taylor actually gives you consistent production. Because, right, I mean, he's hitting 220. His OPS is below 700. It would be an easy fix if he could just be that guy, right? Like, he's he's shown the flashes. We've seen some really good stuff from him at times. But yeah, center field is a big hole. I You mentioned a guy that has to move the needle and has to be a big name, quote unquote. Yes. I'll give you one, but he's a pitcher. Frankie okay. Montas from the Oakland Athletics. Now, under club control until 2023, stud young pitcher. You're going to have to give up a lot to get him. But this is how I look at where the team stands right now. And they have battled health, but they're still they're middle of the pack in baseball and runs per game. They, the offense has not been the worst thing I've ever seen. Season-wide, they're still in the top 12, top 11 in ERA, entire pitching staff. But in the last 15 days, they are number 24th, number 24 in baseball, 5.02 ERA. They have, obviously, the injuries have, have played into it a lot, but I'm not really counting on Freddie Peralta to come back and give the team anything. I hope Brandon Woodruff can, but then you look at the rotation and you have Burns, hopefully Woodruff and Lauer, even though he's fallen down a bit. I don't think the starting staff with the injuries they've sustained is good enough to go into the playoffs and take over a series right now. It's a move in Montas that could work, say going forward into extra years because what if you have to trade Brandon Woodruff or what if you have to make a move within that rotation? There's just another young guy that can come in and be the guy at least number three or a number two. I mean, he's a stud young pitcher, gets no run support out there. But that's a guy I'm looking at because right now I take away the reliever part, which obviously they should do. I think it's the starting staff that's been their downfall through the last 15 days and Maybe I'm optimistic in terms of the offense, 
because it, give me a healthy Renfro that plays every day. He'll give you more. Hopefully Yelich, we talked about him a lot earlier. His leadoff production can still be good. And then maybe I count on Andrew McCutcheon more than many others, but I think he can really be a consistent offensive threat. The offense has not you. been the problem yet. It's also hasn't been healthy and hasn't been clicking. Right. So we haven't seen that point where the entire lineup is healthy together and they're all hitting together. So maybe I'm more optimistic that that will round into form sooner and maybe you have more confidence in that part than I do the starting staff because the starting staff's been a problem. Like, I don't want Adrian Hauser starting a playoff game. That's not a recipe for success. And right now they're lined up to have to do that or Ashby for that matter. I don't think he's ready to go give you great postseason starts. So if you had to go for a big fish, Montas would fit the bill. Someone in the starting staff and someone that you can keep around on the team and he'll still be great in future years because you can never have enough of those guys. Well, it would be a Stearns type of move because it's not a position that all Brewers fans are clamoring for, but it's a move that fits their MO. I mean, team control for a couple of years probably could get him at a decent price because the A's are just... They're the A's. It's a team you want to pick on. You're after going to give them a prospect or two, but the Brewers are going to have to spend prospects anyways to improve their team. I'm not opposed to what you're saying at all. I like when teams double down on a strength. You have a good starting rotation, ideally in a perfect world when healthy. We'll get another one. I, I'm not against that. I have more faith than you do, it sounds like, that the starting pitching staff will get it going. Like, I think Freddie Peralta will be a player for them when he comes back. I think Lauer will get back to where he was earlier this year. Burns is great. And I believe in Woodruff too. I guess I could be proven wrong, but also Ben, here's another thing. The Brewers were incredible last year until it mattered. And then they were gone and eliminated quickly. So this season, I have a real tough time getting super excited or super frustrated about anything that happens in the middle of June, because last year showed to me really firsthand that a lot of this doesn't matter. Assuming they win games and get in, what we're talking about right now, success of certain players or failure of certain players for the most part is semantics. Yeah. That offense was not close to good enough, but I will point out that they still had a shell of Christian Yelich hitting third. And it was still a lineup that I, I don't think was constructed right necessarily going into that playoffs and team wide. They were in a slump. You could kind of see that stuff coming, but I agree with you. Do you think, you think moving Yelich to leadoff is a huge deal. It is. I, I do. Okay. I think it changes your entire team. It not only does it make him better, but it, it frees up everybody else hitting behind him. I think the gravity of his struggles played so much into what the rest of the middle of the lineup could do, or even when the top of the order and other guys weren't getting on base and then Yelich also struggles, then how in the world do you score runs? I think yeah. him in leadoff spot and just moving him out of three does wonders for the rest of your team. And we're starting to see it like they did it in the middle of the losing streak. That was when the pitching was getting shelled, but we're starting to see it really come true that this is a better lineup with him at leadoff. I think it changes everything. I, you know, you're making me feel good. Not, not only that this is about making Christian Yelich a better player, but how the Brewers offense is going to score more and be more successful to put a cap on this conversation, I found these stats. Uh, wins above replacement by position. Uh, the Brewers at center field are better than only the Oakland A's Ooh. and the Cincinnati Reds. Ooh. They're behind the Cubs, who have 99 plate appearances from Christopher Morrell, Jason Hayward, Rafael Ortega, 
Chris Morrell's a stud. No Chris Morrell slander. Slander. He's on my fantasy team. When I've watched him, he's been a tough hitter. But the Brewers are getting nothing from center field. It's actually a huge negative. So if they could find a stud type player to slide in there, great. Um, but it, and I know it. It sounds so basic. What do the Brewers need to add? They need to add an MVP bat. I know that sounds basic, but I think that's what they need. Otherwise, don't waste your time. Just add a couple of extra arms and hope your offense gets hot at the right time. Yeah, I I would be in favor of of that. And Brentley tweets in. He asked, "Would we consider Cedric Mullins or Brian Reynolds as a go all in guy?" Those are both guys, if you want to go somewhere in the middle of not a massive, massive deadline addition that we often see. I mean, Cedric Mullins, I believe he made the all-star team last year, uh, center fielder in Baltimore. He's hitting 250 this year, OPS a little bit below 700. Yeah, he crushed him. But that is a situation where maybe you could get him for a couple dollars cheaper than normal. Brian Reynolds, on the other hand, is having a much better year than Mullins. Uh, he's hitting 248 OPS, 765, but 11 bombs, OPS plus. He's he's a well above average MLB hitter. I would be in favor of either of those. You're right. You do have to find something in center. Uh, I mean, I guess I hope it it is McCutcheon, but I would be okay with getting a Brian Reynolds and then also, I want a big swing in the starting staff. And maybe this is my thoughts around Freddie Peralta, but when a guy misses that much time, I can't count on him to come back and be who he is supposed to be instantly as you go down the stretch of the year. Like for hitters, it's different, I feel like, than it is for pitchers. Because so much about pitching is rhythm and strength and stamina and endurance. And not only has Freddie Peralta not been a go deep in games guy overall in his career, but now he's coming off months and months of an injury. Like I, I, I think they need another arm, but it's interesting. Uh, Mullins or Reynolds would definitely help them a lot. Where do uh, where are they for the rest of the positions? Could you rattle off where they rank and wins above replacement oh, yeah. by those positions? Oh, Cause I, I feel like I test says they've been above average at catcher. Not not good by any means, but definitely not bad. So at catcher, let me let me look. Uh, I test. Speaking of the devil, we're bringing it back. They are third. Well done. They're behind only the Cubs with Contreras, who's having a nut season. Fantasy uh, team. And the Blue Jays. Wow. So well done. You have a, you want to take a guess at another position? Why? Well, I, I mean, I could just go through quickly what I would consider. I I feel like Rowdy Telez is a top fourteen first baseman this year, top thirteen. Okay, Brewers. They're actually nineteenth, um, but they're also getting forty-seven plate appearances from Keston Hira, so that factors into that number too. So if you only think about Rowdy Telez, who has two hundred nineteen plate appearances, and you take away Keston, I bet that number would look different. That's what we call the leaderboard gravity grant is when nice. something is maybe propping up something to the top of a leaderboard. This is a golf term as well, but then there will be a factor that automatically weighs them down. If you will, uh, second base, I think that position has been horrendous this season. I would probably say around 20th, 21st, 22nd, 14th, right in the middle. That is really surprising. Wong Urias. Oh, here's the thing. Urias has had good stretches and bad. I want to know when he was hot and getting on base every day where he was playing. You know what I mean? He's been at third, he's been at second, he's played short. Yeah. That's interesting to me. Yeah, I forget exactly. Uh, 
Adamus has been okay. I don't know. These are weird because now when I talk about this and I look through the roster, I mean, none of this I would call good except for the catcher position. <laughs> the catchers. Incredible. Um, shortstop, they are 18th. Most of those at bats are Willie Adamas, but Urias has 84 at shortstop. Uh, Pablo Reyes has 11 and Mike Brasso has seven. So that'll probably drag it down. Jace Peterson bit. and third base is probably a little lower. Uh, say the middle of the pack, given how many good third basemen there are in baseball. Wow. They're eighth. Wow. This is hard. This well, is really hard. It's weird because I, I guess it's the Urias thing. It's maybe he went off when he was at third. It's it's where he got hot and where he got cold. That's why the stat is so compelling to me. But Brasso has 63 plate appearances from third base, which is a lot. Jace right. Peterson has 141. So where's really interesting. Where's Renfro and right? Uh, right field. Middle of the pack. This open. A little bit better. They're ninth, actually. Renfro, 201. Tyrone Taylor, 59. McCutcheon, 19. Plate appearances. So they're pretty good. I'm not going to ask about Yelich because it's going to make me uh, sound stupider when I Left praise field. how good he's been over the last two weeks. 16th. Almost all of them are Yelich. About 50 for McCutcheon, too. That's expected. I mean, for the money, it sucks. I, that brings yes. up a larger conversation of whether the, whether it's a success if he could just be an okay slap-hitting leadoff guy. And for the contract, it's all a major disappointment. But for the team's success, I argue that it's actually a pretty huge success what he's done over the last couple of weeks. 877-867-1670. If you want to chime in, what do you want to see the Brewers do Moving forward, as we get closer to the trade deadline, we'll have more coming back. It is Ben Kenny, Grant Bills, in for Bill Michaels. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michaels Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Everything really Milwaukee Brewers today. There was a mention Kirk Benkert released by the Packers, but it is the lull time in the NFL now, which Grant, I'm honestly kind of okay with. I like, I love the NFL to death, but while many don't like the dog days of summer that just get so bland and it's only baseball, I kind of cherish them. And maybe that's just because I love baseball. I love baseball. I love the challenge of a slow burn, right? Of getting one Brewer game a day, and they might be boring. They might be bad games. And I like the challenge of coming on the air every day and needing to find something to talk about. Now, some days that's easier than others, but I do enjoy the way things slow down in the summer. It's, it's not as urgent. It's not as, I don't know, hectic. Football season can get a little wild, and that's fun, too. It's just a different kind of fun. Yeah, tonight, I, I hope tonight is fun in Milwaukee. They welcome the Cardinals in for a four-game set, a pivotal four-game set. Brewers and Cardinals tied at the top of the NL Central after what has gone on the last couple of weeks with Milwaukee sliding down a pretty good bit. 
But then they were a couple games back, and they fought their way back up this weekend. Uh, the Cardinals dropped a couple in Boston, if I'm not mistaken. So tied at the top, four games set. Tonight, Miles Michaelis on the bump for St. Louis. Corbin Burns for the Brewers. The Brewers are minus 165 on the money line, over under seven and a half. I, if I had to bet this game, and the, I don't really like taking favorites that are, say, that severe, minus 165 in baseball. I'm not really a big baseball better, if I'm being honest. I get hard. I guess they're, it's impossible. Oh, it's so hard. I guess there could be value in the Cardinals tonight just because of what their lineup has done. Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Arenado. But Burns is on the hill and pitched really well his last time out. If you look up and down the lineup of what the Cardinals have done against Burns and who could maybe be the guy to watch, Arenado's faced him 11 times in his career. He's hitting 273, zero homers, one RBI. Tommy Edmond could be a guy to watch, 17 at-bats. He's hitting 294 off him. And then the crazy one, and I don't even understand this at all, Paul Goldschmidt Grant, listen to this, 21 at-bats against Burns in his career. He is hitting 381 with a homer and two RBI. He is on a tear this year and has had success against Burns in the past. So, I mean, if you're looking for a guy to watch out for, this isn't really a surprising name drop. Hold on, let me write this down. Goldschmidt has crushed Burns in the past, and yes, he happens to be an NL MVP candidate. You go to the other side, Miles Michaelis, 5-4 and four with a 2-6 ERA this year, 66 strikeouts. Came within an out of a no-hitter his last time out. I, I forget who it was, but doubled over Harrison Bader's head in center field. Victor Caratini, believe it or not. Now, I, I don't think a lineup is out yet, so I don't know who's starting behind the plate. I would assume it's Narvaez, but Caratini... 12 at-bats, he's sitting 417 off Michaelis. Adamas has struggled in only six at-bats. He's one for six. Andrew McCutcheon, 10 at-bats, just one for 10. Narvaez, if he starts instead of Caratini, nine at-bats, he's gotten four hits off of him. And then the rest, I mean, it's also a Brewers lineup that hasn't had much success generally, but Christian Yelich, 28 at-bats against Miles Michaelis, hitting 179 with one homer. And then the rest, the sample size is very small. Tyrone Taylor's faced him five times, Telez five times, Renfro six. But not much success off Michaelis in the careers of the Brewers. If I'm looking at it and I had to bet one side, it might be the Cardinals tonight. But I, I guess Brew, uh, Corbin Burns is kind of, he, he can change any game. You know, he can go out and, and win you one. I don't think Hater's back. Have you seen that yet? I thought he was out for three games. I thought he was out for the weekend. I haven't seen anything about that. Okay, so I will, yeah, I'll go check on that to see if he is back. But I, I saw a cool stat as well. I The Brewers have, the bullpen has been tremendous recently, even in haters' absence, uh, the guys that have filled in. So, I yeah, it's, it's really all about can the offense find any success against Michaelis? Can they continue the hot streak against the Reds? Do you think they do it tonight? Uh, I don't know. It's tough. It's really tough to bet baseball. And I don't. I just don't bet sports in general. Um, one thing I would love, get Narvaez and Caratini both in the lineup, DH one of them. Really? Because if they're both, like, well, Caratini's been hitting well, I test. I want to keep him rolling. Narvaez is one of your best hitters, and he's seen Michaelis throughout the years. 
I'd love both of them in the lineup. Um, just one thing to consider. Something that scares me about Corbin Burns versus the Cardinals tonight and a reason why the Brewers are going to have to continue to score, I think, if they want to have success in the series, even if they have Burns on the mound tonight. The Cardinals don't strike out. Their strikeout rate per game is 7.36. It's the third lowest mark in the majors. So it might be hard for Burns to cruise. It's also, again, you're going to see how important defense is. If Burns gets grounders, the Brewers need to capitalize on them and put guys away because they can't rely on strikeouts always against the Cardinals. Um, those are the numbers that jump out to me. I wouldn't hate the idea of DHing one of Narvaez and Caratini because I think Victor Caratini is finally showing some life. Again, I test. I haven't looked at the numbers, but he seemed and field to have a really good weekend. That's interesting because that's a, a those are guys you never see in the lineup at the same time. Often because no. when one of them plays, it's because the other needed an off day, right? Like Caratini comes yeah. in to spell Narvaez. That'd be an interesting way to approach it. I mean, McCutcheon. Another and- thing to watch really quickly, Michaelis, Flaherty, Wainwright, Hudson, all going this weekend. They're all right-handed hitters. Brewers fare better against righties. Hunter Renfro, I'm looking at his lefty-righty splits. Five home runs this year against lefties, eight against righties. Hopefully he can continue that. Adamas is hitting 30 points worse on his batting average versus righties, but he's got seven more home runs. That's interesting. I Those are the two guys that power this offense when it's right. So that's why I'm trying to read a little bit about them and maybe try to guess how they might fare this week. Yeah, I know Nelson has championed this, but Keston Hira, for some reason, cannot hit lefties and is lights out at the plate against righties. So that's another guy. Hopefully you could see him in the lineup a couple times this series as it goes on. But yeah, it's I, they're going to need a good one. That's a damn good Cardinals baseball team. Uh, they're, the back end is really interesting. They go with a platoon at the closer spot. Giovanni Gallegos and I forget the other guy. Uh, but they kind of do it based on matchups. But I, the Cardinals are the Cardinals, you know? It's it's just one of those things. The best way to put it. I know it sounds reductive, but that is the best way to put it. Yeah. Um, all right. 877-867-1670. Step away. Take a quick break. Ben Kenny and Grant Bills in for Bill Michaels. Ready! This is the Bill Michaels Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. All right, we're back. It is the Bill Michaels Show, 877-867-1670. Coming up after the top of the hour, there is some happenings in the NBA with a star that many have opined about, that uh, many talk about constantly in the East, someone, that, a team that the Bucks have, you know, faced off pretty closely against. Some news about him and what his future could hold. Grant, I wanted to hit this really quick. John Rothstein, CBS Sports, tweeted out earlier today that Coach K told him he does not plan to attend any Duke games next season at Cameron Indoor. Do you have a breaking news sound effect? Uh, I do. I'm not going to play it. Do you want to know why? I don't care at all. Oh, well, that was my point. Sarcasm, like. This isn't, yeah. Oh, can we just let Coach K retire and enjoy the rest of his life? I like, I get it. And the funny part is, you know, Coach K kept his same office after he retired. They moved John Shire to a different one. Why? Because Coach K didn't want to leave his office because he still is the czar of Duke basketball. Can we just let Coach K retire, people? Does he come hang out there? 
Yeah, yeah, a lot. Because he, uh, I, I, I can't stand it. He went on this retirement tour to make it all about him. It was a distraction for his team. And now we're just going to get these consistent updates about whether he's coming back or what he's doing. Let him retire. Let Duke move to the new era of, by the way, assistant coach Emil Jefferson, former Duke Blue Devil player, playing the NBA a yeah. bit. He went to my high school. Uh, alma mater sharer, if you will. Big fan of him. I hope he's Duke's coach in five years. I'll root for Duke. No, you won't. Just not coach. Oh, I will. Wow. No, I... All right. Actually, I'll tell you why when we come back. We're about to hit break, but... <laughs> nice. I had a take when Coach K retired. I'll, I'll give it to you next. It's the Bill Michael Show. The Bill Michael Show Podcast. Listen, rate, subscribe.